Alright, pick up song number number two. Sing Love Divine.
something from your message. Help us, Lord, to uh, be able to go out there and leave your word like you want us to, Lord. Pray you bless all the needs that are there in each heart, Lord, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Maybe may be seated. We'll sing one more song, and uh, I think we're going to try to pick out that chorus that we have uh, passed out in, that, uh, in the hymnal. We'll sing this chorus and then we'll have the announcements. My Lord knows the way. Always, right?
Well, I like that strumming of the guitar and all that. It makes me less angry. You know, music does that to your soul. David um, played his instrument before King Saul. Uh, Chinese church can go. And uh, it soothed his restless heart and drove away the evil spirit. Music is a good blessing. And if, if it's the right kind of music. Uh, a certain kind of music makes you agitated, makes you want to do different things. And that's the nature of music and the influence of music. When you go to a football game, what kind of music do you hear? It is not Silent Night, Holy Night, that's for sure. Because it'll put people in a different kind of mood. And if you have music that's marching, then of course you kind of just you pepped up. That's the, that's the nature of music. So when you come to church, we ought to have music that kind of helps us to look toward God, don't you think? Amen. Music that points us to the Lord and not just look at ourselves and uh, encourage the flesh to act up. By the way, it feels really cold in here. It feels good. Oh, man, it's like good. I walked in today at 9 o'clock. It was, my ears got cold. By the way, there are some goodies in the back there. Uh, it is appreciation uh, sweets, that's what they call it, from uh, Arb's wife. I keep hearing your name. Arb's pregnant wife. But I thank you. Uh, for the gift that she received for that sprinkle last week. And so it's Filipino stuff. And it's actually kind of good. Uh, that didn't sound right. Uh, what I meant to say was, uh, it's, uh, it's good. Yeah, so indulge, help yourself. Thank you for uh, indulging in my uh, silliness here. All right. Um, let's see. So uh, keep Nathan and five of the kids in prayer. The five oldest ones are going to go up with him to speak in some churches in Arizona. And then they'll be doing some uh, hiking and camping while they're up there. And so keep them in prayer. They'll leave Wednesday night. And so safety and all those kind of things. I asked him if there's bears in Grand Canyon. He says, no. I'm kind of paranoid about bears and alligators. And I've watched too many bears attacking people and other animals and how relentless they are. So I'm kind of paranoid about that. Alligators kind of weird too. Alligators coming up on golf courses in Florida. Uh, they're nasty creatures. The worst of all is the Komodo dragon. They are bad, bad people. Uh, <laughs> bad, bad creatures. All right. I appreciate Francis coming up with these courses. These are old courses from back in the days when we were young Christians. Not we, but back to the 70s and 80s kind of thing like that some of these are really good to sing in the car and home like that and they're kind of soothing to me and it's good all right pray for one another this week uh, i don't know what's going on as far as people's health or any kind of thing going on but pray for one another there are many unspoken prayer requests given on wednesday night and so when you think about uh, church family pray for them um, generally of course and it's okay if you pray god bless so-and-so it's okay to pray god help so-and-so it's okay you don't have to know all the details to pray for somebody. Just just pray for somebody. That's a good thing, all right? Pray for one another. Glad the, rain, the rains uh, let up. It was looking really bad over the weekend, but it's all gone now. I love, I am changing as I grow older. I like sunshine. I don't like rain anymore. You may remember you old timers that I like rain uh, because it reminded me of Christmas, but, but nowadays I like sunshine. And so I'm hoping that we'll have uh, good weather from now on, at least until uh, to the month of March. Month, 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 month of uh, February. All right. There are no real announcements except there's a ladies' fellowship coming up. going to be announced in the bulletin in March, and then uh, there's a there's a potential hike coming up sometime soon. We're going to announce that too. So be alert to that through the church bulletin, which is by email. 
Now, I don't know how many of you read the email bulletin, but that's the form of bulletins coming out nowadays because you don't read the paper version. And so I'm not gonna waste money in paper if you don't read them. So at least if you don't read the email bulletin, it doesn't cost anything. How about that for logic? I hate to waste anything. Um, so pray for one another and also check the bulletin every week. Also check the, the email uh, prayer bulletin too. So those are to be for your convenience and to take advantage of that. Uh, I don't know if you watched the Super Bowl or not, but it was, uh, my, my, some of my grandsons watched the highlights uh, Sunday night. We did not see the halftime show, thank God. I heard in the halftime show, there were some so-called performances that are kind of devilish or glorifying the devil. And uh, something to say about that, where in the name of entertainment, people do things to mock Christianity and mock God. You think God in heaven doesn't notice those kind of things? You think Christians who were there at the Super Bowl appreciated uh, the stuff that went on? Now, disclaimer, I didn't see it. I just read about it. I saw a few images on, online, but I didn't bother to even check out who the performances were done by and what exactly were the lyrics. But I know already that any chance the world has to make fun of Jesus Christ, to make fun of the devil, and to glorify the things that the Lord doesn't glorify, and to make a lot about things that are serious and important spiritually. And uh, to have people there paying hundreds of dollars for the seats to watch that stuff because it's part of the program, part of the uh, Super Bowl. Uh, to subject kids to that kind of stuff is just to me grossly, grossly wicked. And uh, shame on people to put out that kind of stuff in the name of entertainment. Uh, response, remarks, great performances. Thank, thankfully, one former wrestling champion, I don't even know who this guy is, he spoke out on Instagram. He said, that was horrible. That woman, she was horrible. And that guy, he was so, I'm glad people speak up about some of these things on our behalf, at least on my behalf. I want to go to see a game. I don't want to see stuff that, you know, you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? I may repeat the whole thing again. It's hard to even go to skating rink with the kind of music that you play, it's hard to do a lot of things because of the music that's being played. All that to say is, when you come to church, you ought to have good music to soothe the soul, to encourage the heart to worship God. And that's what church ought to be for, not, you know, boogie-woogie and uh, do hula and do whatever people do nowadays to make it uh, less churchy. Imagine that, less churchy. What does less churchy mean? What does less churchy mean? That means come to church, but let's call it, not call it a church. That doesn't make any sense. We're in church today. You should sing with enthusiasm. You should worship God. You should not be intimidated by uh, people hearing you sing. How many of you claim to be shy people? Ah, uh, you see, you didn't even raise your hand because you claim to be shy. <laughs> But when it comes to, to praising the Lord, I think you ought to feel at ease and not feel like people are looking at me when I'm in church. Uh, you, you, some of you folks really ought to break out of your little cave and not be so uh, to yourselves. Let me have a gripe to say to you right now. We're not being recorded now, are we, Hugh? We are? Can you come and pause this? Seriously, come and pause this. I have a gripe. You can't? You can't? 
Before you go home, let me give you my gripe. This is in-house church thing, okay? I don't want the whole world to know that I have a gripe. <laughs> but I do have a gripe. And I like to tell you what that gripe is before you go home. I'm serious, okay? Now, after church, when I say amen, I know what's going to happen. You're going to leave, and you won't hear my gripe. You've got to hear my blessing. My gripe. Can you remind people? Can you remind me? All right. Let me step aside here. And you got one more song here? Okay. All right. 289.
Ephesians chapter 4. spontaneous and um, the, the two ladies got into it and they were throwing fists they were pulling hair girls always fight pulling hair you know and they were punching and grabbing and scratching and it was a big mess and I guess that's why they call Philadelphia the city of brotherly love but uh, big fight don't know what happened don't know the details but it was a public mess it's a public scene where people got mad and people got to fight throwing punches and uh, afterwards, one of the little boys of the mother punched the agent, and he walked away. I don't know how old he was, the report didn't say, but that reminded me about the fact that a lot of people today are angry. 50% of married couples that go through counseling admit they struggle with resentment, bitterness, and anger. These are powerful emotions, and people struggle with that, apparently. Uh, public outbursts of anger individually, in a group, in a protest of some sort, it's a bad scene and it reflects a lot about what's going on in people's hearts. People today are really mad about stuff, not sure what it is about, but people are angry so much so that the first time somebody confronts or goes against your opinion, a fist comes out or someone's in your face. People are really mad nowadays, ready to explode if the right button is pushed. Now I hope you're not that kind of a person, but today I'm gonna talk about being mad, getting angry. Now, sometimes, sometimes angry, being angry is not bad. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Being mad is not always wrong. Sometimes getting angry is wrong. Sometimes getting angry leads to the wrong kind of results. Bad consequences happen when you get mad and you can't control yourself. But not every time someone gets mad, it is wrong. And I'm not the type to say that you should just bottle up your feelings and ignore your feelings, pretend you don't have certain feelings because that would not be good for your health anyway. But uh, it's the letting it get control of you where you have an outburst, where you just blow up. People think they have um, dynamic personalities, personalities because they're blowing up, exploding, you know. That's not a good thing. Ephesians chapter 4, come there, and verse number 26. A familiar scripture. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Be angry and sin not. Anger itself is not always wrong. Sometimes anger is justified. 
Now, you remember Jesus himself got mad. I say mad. He got angry. Twice in his life as, as an adult in his ministry, beginning at the end, he went to the temple. He saw some monkey business going on. And you find that in Matthew uh, chapter 21 and Mark chapter 3. When you read these two passages, you find out that Jesus saw what's going on with the money changers, selling them these animals for sacrifices, defrauding people, and all kinds of things were going on outside of the temple. And he got so angry. He got so angry. He got so angry. He turned over the money changers' tables. Not only that, Mark's account says that he made a whip, got ropes tied knots, made a whip, and chased him out of the temple area. That's getting mad. That's being angry. But he was not sinning, not doing anything wrong. So you find it in Mark chapter 3, verse 1 through 5, and Matthew 21, verses 10 through 13. He says, My house will be called a house of prayer, but you made a den of thieves. And uh, John 2 says, When he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple. What does that mean? He whipped them. Made a whip and beat on these people. They scrammed. They took off. Now, how about that for the lowly, lovely Jesus, full of compassion and, and, and mercy and love? That's what he did. Certainly, he was not wrong to do that. That tells me sometimes it's okay to get mad. Sometimes it's okay to be angry because it is for a righteous cause. Now, God himself gets mad every once in a while. Did you know that? You know God sometimes gets upset? Now, we have this notion that God is like a big divine Santa Claus, always giving out goodies no matter... Uh, forget the song about you better watch out. Forget about that. Just think that people think that God, to them, is like some, some generic, unconcerned, uninvolved, not aware of what's going on with humanity and what they do, and He just could be good to everybody. Some new agey kind of uh, um, Oprah Winfrey kind of a deity of some sort. Uh, but God gets angry. Turn to Psalm chapter 7. Psalm chapter 7. Let's look at the Bible verses. Psalm chapter 7. Be angry and sin not. Sometimes when you get angry, it's not sinful. Sometimes you get angry, and it is. So far, it's not wrong to be angry because Jesus got angry, and God himself is angry. At what? At whom? Let's see. Psalm 7. And come to verse number 9. Psalm 7, verse number 9. Did you find it? Amen. Psalm 7, verse 9 says, Oh, oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. Verse 11. God judges the righteous, and God is, that's what it says, God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, you notice that he says God's angry with the wicked. It, it doesn't just say angry with the wicked deeds. He says it's angry with the wicked, the wicked person. Sometimes we have said, kind of not accurately, or people have said, God loves the sinner, he doesn't love the sin. Well, do you know that according to this, God hates, he's angry, he's angry with the wicked, with the wicked person. How about that? Now, people really need to get their theology from the Bible, not from 
a talk show host or a bunch of women on talk show. Amen. You, you don't want to get your theology from those birds or those right. bats or those things, those people, those uh, emails. Uh, they, they, they should not be feeding you theology. I don't think God would ever do that. Well, did that hurricane come because, now these fanatics said, this hurricane came because God did it because he's judging America. Well, God would never do that. Well, who made you a theologian, you, 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 you? <laughs> who made you a theologian? Who made you? Now, get your theology from the Bible. It says God is angry at the wicked every day. Well, that sure looks like to me from that verse, God's a lot of times angry because there's a lot of wickedness going on in this world that you and I don't even comprehend even know about. We don't want to know about some of these things. But don't you imagine God's angry with people all over this globe, all over this world, every day, every second of this day, because he knows everything, and he must realize, here we go again, here we go again, here we go again. And it does say what it says. And so I'm saying so far that God and the Lord, Jesus Christ, they both get angry. So angry... It's not always a sinful thing. And sometimes, look at verse number 12. Sometimes anger causes God to, to act. Verse 12, if he turn not, if the wicked, if he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. So sometimes the saying we have is push comes to shove. And when God shoves, uh, you better be careful that you're not in the in the way of the collateral damage because it's a horrible thing when God opens up the earth and swallows these rebellious people and so on. And God has done those kind of things. And uh, who says he cannot do these things nowadays? Now, I know that there's a fault running somewhere in California, the San Andreas Fault. Now, uh, it's had little hiccups every once in a while. But can you imagine if God really got angry to the point of taking action and firing an arrow at a place, a city, a county, a population of a country. Imagine if that would really happen. God got so angry, he said, okay, that's it. You say, well, God would never do that. Well, there we go again. Thinking that he would never do some things like that. But he has the right to, when God gets angry, he is justified in his anger. He is not going to be accused uh, accurately of getting mad unnecessarily. Now, we do. We get mad unnecessarily. We are unjustified a lot of times. We harbor the hate. We harbor the bitterness. We're the ones to act up the anger inside of us but when God reacts and when God acts upon his anger, it's justified. You know that he has a right to do that. And so, so far, so far, uh, anger is not always sinful. Be angry and sin not. This is what you call when Jesus did what he did in the temple, when God gets angry and wicked. That's called righteous indignation. Righteously indignant at wickedness that goes on. Now look, you say, I don't understand that. Well, I don't know if you like to garden or grow things, but if you do, there's some things you really love and there's some things you really don't like. If you like to grow things, what do you not really like? Weeds. Weeds, oh, weeds, hate weeds. If you're trying to grow something to eat, you really hate birds. You really hate birds because birds come and they peck on that fruit that's about to turn red and they always know when to come. I don't know if birds are tested to see if they're colorblind or not, but they don't seem to be colorblind at all. These little sparrows and especially the minor birds, nasty, evil minor birds. They're like demons, you know, minor birds. 
Yeah, the fowls are there and they come. They steal the way of the word of God. See, they're like devils, right? And so you try to grow something, and as it's coming up, you're so proud, you're so excited about what's going to happen. And then all of us, the next day, you got a bunch of stuff bitten out of that thing. You hate birds if you love to grow tomatoes and bell peppers. Well, is it possible for God to be angry because he is righteous, because he's holy, and that compels him to act upon that? You cannot say, you cannot say that neighbor of mine is bad because he hates weeds. No, it's because he loves what he's growing. The same thing would be true in trying to explain how God can be righteously indignant about something because he is righteous. And don't you and I hate some things and get upset about some things because it is wrong. Is that true? Do you not get angry about some things because it's wrong that what somebody's doing? Now, you know by now uh, that I hate people who steal shopping carts, the so-called homeless people. And do you know that right now, I heard on the radio somewhere uh, two days ago that uh, homeless is going to try to, I was going to say mail back, send back homeless people, one-way ticket back to where they came from, to curtail, to relieve the homeless population. They still did about 6,000 of them. Who knows the real number? We're going to send them back home on whose dime? On whose dime? This is a good thing? Send me back there on city and county dime, on state taxes. Send me back there. I'll pay my way back. That'd be half the price of a trip. These guys go around on, on a, on a, on a protracted with a shopping cart from Safeway, from Long's, from Times, from Home Depot. Freely. I gotta pay for my groceries like you do. My prices go up like yours goes up. Part of it is because of the new carts that have been bought to replace those stolen carts. Now, I harp with this a lot. It gets to me. I'm angry about that. I know I can't do much about it except bark at you which is nothing to do with you, but I'm angry because they go without without any consequence because they are a protected class of people. It's a political vote thing. How come if I jaywalk, I'll get a citation downtown Honolulu on Bishop Street and King Street? How come? How come there's a cop there ready to write me up if I step up with my phone into, you see that is so bad, ladies and gentlemen. That is so that is so wicked that I would dare not walk in the crosswalk. Jaywalk is such a crime. Sarcasm, right? <laughs> Some of you got that. And so, uh, righteous indignation. Funny idea that we have about God that He never gets mad. He does. Funny idea about God that uh, and Jesus Christ that they never get upset about things. They do. They do. They do. But you said that's in the Bible. Well, let me ask you this question. Is Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever? Is his nature the same? Does he not think about the same things as he did back in the first century, as when the Bible was penned and so on? Of course he does. And so uh, he does get upset about things. And the truth is this. So should you and I get upset about certain things. We should not be passive about things that are wrong morally, wrong spiritually. If we have a chance to say something about it, we should say something about that. If we don't, we don't. Now, I'm not saying be a bull. 
uh, unleashed or being allied unleashed. No, no, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying there's some things that affect the Christian because some things are wrong. And some things are bad. Some things are detrimental to, to everybody, to you and to your family. And it's bad for a lot of things. And so uh, I think it's fair to say that if we Christians who are supposed to be Christ-like find it every once in a while we're upset about some things because some things are wrong. I mentioned that Super Bowl show, halftime show. It wasn't a halftime show. It was it was propaganda to desensitize your kids, your innocent little girls to become vile like they are. It is making people who watch those things and seeing people cheer and, and get all happy about that, making them think that, you know what, it's not so bad after all. Desensitizing your family, desensitizing people overall so that these things are not so bad really, it's just your opinion. Well, I, I don't know about whose opinion it is or not, but I'm trying to uh, please, but I'm not going to be happy with stuff like that. So I don't even watch that kind of thing. That's that's just for me. And um, I'm just saying that that sometimes anger is not wrong. Sometimes anger is good for you because it's pushed you to do something you should have done in the first place. Sometimes something is wrong. Um, and then um, it's not in my house, but because I love to do dishes most of the time. And my wife my wife, when she used to do all the dishes, it would pile up when she got too busy. And I would get mad at her because the dishes are piling up. And so my anger has caused her to do the dishes. See, it works out. <laughs> but um, sometimes it's not bad when you get upset because it makes you do what you should have done in the first place. You know, if you have, if you have teenage kids, you know what they're going to do when you have teenage kids? This is good news for you. Be prepared for messy rooms. Teenage kids have messy bedrooms. Poor Nathan one time, um, we lived in Mililani. His room was a mess. It looked like an ex a grenade exploded. I mean, he had, he had stuff on the walls tacked up, you know, uh, uh, different things. And his bed is always, un he always uh, wrote and drew on the floor, lying, you know, pillow. His, his, he was in a war zone. I mean, he was a man, a lot of things, had a helmet and all things. But that's not when he was a teenager, before he was a teenager. But his room was always messy. I walked by, I said, Nathan, why don't you clean up your room? And he would say, okay. I walked by 10 minutes later, nothing has changed. I thought you cleaned the room and said, I'm gonna get to it. And he finally gets to it. Let me check on that because yeah, it's kind of a messy room over here. I come back an hour later on, it's still the same. I said, did you do anything? Yeah, I did. What'd you do? I put the pillow on the bed. That's it? I don't see any change. And he said, I'll try again. Later on, I come back and I said, Nathan, what did, did you, did you actually try to clean the room? He said, yes, sir, I did. I said, well, what happened? He says, he said this, pathetic. So he was not a teenager. He must have been like 9 or 10, 11. He did this. He says, I don't know how to clean it. Real pathetic, real. I don't know how to clean it. Uh, you know, I, mean, well, you, I guess so. Be prepared for dirty rooms when kids get like that. They're going to say, I don't know how to clean it. Well, Sometimes he would really clean because I got so angry at that. I just didn't like messy stuff. And he'd get it done best as he could. Same thing with Emily. They both are messy. I can say that now because they're not here right now in this room. But they both are messy. Then my wife got mad at me a lot of times, which compelled me to not be messy. I'd come home from doing something. I'd take off my shoes at the door as we do in Hawaii. I'd take off my socks. I'd put it on the dining room table. What's wrong with that? 
And she, she, she do this with that look. And then she say, what is that? And I was saying in a smart, elegant way, you know what that is? Those are socks. Socks. Where have you been? And she say, you know what I mean. Uh, and she would say, um, why are those socks on the table? And I would say something really intelligent like, you want me to move it? Okay, that will go on and on and on. You say this is kind of ridiculous and silly, and kind of, but I do that all the time. And then finally, she gets so mad at me, I had to do the right thing. So sometimes being mad is not, it's not bad. Now watch carefully. It says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sin, sun go down upon your wrath. Now we all get mad every once in a while. We all do. And if you say that you never get mad, I would say to you, you are a liar. Biggest liar on Sunday is to say, I never get mad. You all get mad about something. Am I telling you the truth? You all get mad about something. Every one of us do. Some of you are just squeaking out. Some of you, you express it with a big voice. Some of you show it with the gestures. We all get mad about some things sometimes. It's kind of hard not to get mad about some things sometimes. If you never get mad, I would say something is really off in your head because everything in this world is not to how we like it. And we get irritated with things. We get upset. Well, occasionally, some of us a lot, if you watch the news, you get mad a lot of times. So I don't watch the news. Uh, but you can be angry and not sin. Uh, reacting to something anger is the thing you got to watch out for. Now, anger can be destructive. Ephesians 4.27 says, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon the wrath. Neither give place to the devil. The dangerous thing about anger is that it can lead to more and more harshness, more and more even violence. Or more and more it escalates into hurting someone with your words and with your actions. And so the devil can get involved in your anger as well. Neither give place to the devil. Connected to being angry. Do you know that sometimes you can open the door to the devil by being angry? Sometimes you just come in, devil. Come in. And your anger can open the door to the devil. He can entice you to get into a rage by coming in and messing up with your head. Uh, I didn't get that job because of my skin color. Oh, is that so? I just read about a head coaching job that might be available to the Kansas City Chief on the Super Bowl. Uh, in 10 years, it won't make a difference. Next year, it won't make a difference. It won't change your life if the team won or not. But the Kansas City uh, Chiefs, they have an assistant coach. I think he's the offensive coordinator. He's black. And uh, the press is harassing him and saying, how come you're not a head coach? The insinuation is because he's black. You know what that's all about? That's just getting people to hate one another because of your skin color. It's just promoting some, some agenda to hate white people because this black guy didn't get a head coaching opportunity. Let me ask you this question. Do they ever consider qualification? Oh yeah, he was an assistant coach, uh, offensive coordinator for six years. He deserved the chance. Well, who said so? Who said so? Why do people impose upon a situation it's got to be this way because I think it ought to be that way. So people who get angry and, and let it fester, they open the door to the devil so that he whispers to them all kinds of lies that they can believe in. Since really think this is what's happening because I'm black, I don't get a job. Not true at all. Not true at all. You know the richest players in the NFL are black quarterbacks? The richest are black quarterbacks? You know that a lot of head coaching jobs have gone to black uh, coaches because, because they are black? because of the pressure, 
pressure. I think qualification is the important factor. Don't you? When I see my dentist, I want to see diplomas. I want to see degrees on the wall. I don't want to see car, car, uh, um, handwritten certificate. I don't want to see that. I'm running away from that. I want to see somebody who has put out an effort, gone through schooling, got training, made their mistakes, or even somebody else when I go to the dentist. Not just because it's my turn. The devil says all kinds of things to make people feel anger. Didn't hire me because of this, or because I'm a female. Well, that's not true. You are not hired because you're a female. It's because because you're not a man. That's why you're not hired. Well, there you go. Two strikes now. You call me a you call female man. You know football. Football again. Football coaches. They want to win. The franchise wants to win, and that's why you never have a female player on the team in the NFL. The day that they do, that female athlete, so-called athlete, so-called football player, will have a role that's very insignificant. Kick after the touchdown's made. It'll be big news, but that's all she can do. Now, you, don't look at me like that, ladies, and say, well, how dare you insult? I'm not insulting you. I'm just saying, you're not as strong as a guy. And on the football team, we need strong guys because the other team has strong guys. In fact, we need stronger guys than those strong guys. As a matter of fact, we need faster guys than they have faster guys, okay? This is the nature of the sport. And coaches want to win. They're not going to get a, a girl on the team. It's not because she's a girl. It's just because she's not fit for that role. What's wrong with that? Uh, Mike Rowe, Mike Rowe, famous for his Dirty Jobs 10-year run on TLC, I think it was. He's done 300 jobs in 10 years in every state in our union. Came to Hawaii, dirty job, all kind of things, unimaginable jobs. It was really him that they were filming. Mike Rowe done all those things, and it really revealed that the trades are important. And in the trades where you get really down and dirty, hardly any females there. You know why? They don't want to take those jobs. But men will take those shops, get the better pay. So it's not prejudice. But the devil says to you when you get angry, yeah, yeah, you got a case. You got a case. Take it to the Supreme Court because they're against you because of your gender and because of your skin color. Take it to the courts, man. Take it to the courts. You are being abused. For too long we've been abused. Our people, our people, been abused. Take it to the Supreme Court. Make a difference. Be, stand up. Be a man kind of thing. Or be a person. <laughs> Don't sit there and take it. Don't let them take advantage of you, those evil corporations. The devil gets you like that. Neither give place to the devil. And so, getting mad without thought of the consequences. A young American pianist went to Bangkok to do a little concert in a hotel conference room. It's a big deal. Young American pianist, up and coming. The recital was only for a few minutes, but the, the so-called artist discovered that the D key and the treble clef in the piano began to stick, whatever that means. If you know music, you know what that means. I don't know what that means. I'm reading it. It's sticking, so it bothered him. It agitated him. It got him unnerved. He began to stomp on, on the floor. He began to kick at the piano leg. The, he kicked it so hard several times that the piano did this. <laughs> he got up off, off the piano bench. He bowed and walked off stage. They all applauded him out of courtesy in that little conference room. 
He came back though with something. He came back with something. He walked to that piano. He got that uh, axe that by the, the fire uh, thing and he began to chop at that piano. And he hammered that thing. He tore to pieces. Finally, because of all the ruckus, owner had to come in, manager had to come in and haul him off. He kept swinging away with his axe at the piano. He lost control. He was angry. He was mad. He was so upset because things didn't go his way. He chopped the piano to pieces. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Getting angry and not thinking of the consequences because you lost control of your emotions. Yeah, you can You can be mad about something and not sin and not lose control. <sighs> Crimes of passion, they call it, in other scenarios where people kill one another because of jealousy. Crimes of passion. So I would say to Christians and to everyone, don't act out your anger. You're going to regret it. I like gunfighter ballads. Do you like gunfighter ballads? You say, what is that? Well, ask your parents about that or some of you folks who are a little bit older. You know about gunfighter ballads. You know about Marty Robbins. I'm not exalting Marty Robbins. I'm just saying those gunfighter ballads are about life out west where the gun was your protection. It was your law because there are lawless people with guns. And you protect yourself with the gun. And out west in the old days, they say sometimes there was no uh, decency, no morality, and you did what you wanted because you could. Because you had a gun and the other guy didn't have one and he didn't want to use didn't want to use it. He was a pacifist, perhaps. But there's a song that he wrote. Listen to the lyrics. This is about your anger getting to you. And you live to regret it because you pay with your life. When I hear those raindrops coming down, it makes me sad and blue. Was on a rainy night like this, that flow said we were through. I told her how I loved her, and I begged her not to go. It's so sad. I begged her not to go, but another man had changed her mind, so I said goodbye to Flo. Alone within my cell tonight. Imagine with me, alone within my cell tonight, my heart is filled with fear. The only sound within the room is the falling of each tear. I think about the thing I've done. I know it wasn't right. They'll bury flow tomorrow, but they're hanging me tonight. You know what happened? Here's what he wrote. That night he came, this good-looking gunslinger guy, that night he came and took my flow and headed into town. I knew I had to find this man and try to gun him down. What good lyrics. What a blessing. As I walked by a dim cafe and I looked through the door, I saw my flow with her new love and I couldn't take no more. I couldn't take no more. I took my pistol from my hip and with a trembling hand, I took the life of pretty flow and that good for nothing man. I think about the thing I've done. I know it wasn't right. They'll bury flow tomorrow, but they're hanging me tonight. You know what that is? Anger. Anger just overcomes a man. Anger just out of control anger. He's got to get vengeance. He's got to make things right. If I can't have her, nobody can have her. And I'm going to go be the man and show him. And I'm just going to. And that's what the song's about. There's a lesson to that. There's a lesson to that. Anger, out of control, there's a consequence to it. 
Is he telling the truth? Maybe he didn't mean to tell you the truth, but there's a truth there. And so he did what he did. And all he can say is, as he hangs his head waiting for his execution, is I'm sorry that I did it. I know it wasn't right, but I did it. Anger out of control will make you do something you wish you hadn't done. <clears throat> he who can suppress moments of anger will save 100 days of sorrow. So said a Chinese proverb. Again, I will tell you, he who can suppress moments of anger will save 100 days of sorrow. In other words, you will save yourself a lot of grief when you commit an act that you know you shouldn't have done because you were overcome with anger. Now, um, do you believe in God? Do you believe in the Lord? Are you saved? Okay, well, if that is true, then you have the capacity and the ability to control your anger. You have that ability, that strength from God. Those who say they can forgive but not forget, bear the, hat, bear the hatchet, but leave the handle out for immediate use. Now, do you understand what that's about? Oh, forgive, forget. Yeah, okay, I forgive you, I forget. But they don't, people don't do that. They don't forget the hurt. They remember it. And so they bear the hatchet, but the handle is out there to conveniently grab when you want to get angry and get revenge. That's the way the human heart can become. That's the thing you got to guard against, being angry because you want to make things right. Let not the sun go down upon wrath, but what Ephesians 4.26 says. You know how Phyllis Diller translated that Bible verse? Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Now, what do you think that verse means? And I'll tell you what she interpreted to mean. Phyllis Diller, she's now dead. But she was a comedian, they say, and... Um, she said, well, that verse means this. Here's what she says, let not the sun go down upon wrath means. Never go to sleep mad. Stay up and fight. Let not the sun go down upon wrath. So you're going to fight it out until somebody wins. That's what she thought that meant. Actually, it just means don't let your anger go on beyond 24 hours. Don't let anger stay in you. Get rid of it before you go to bed. Don't continue it through the night. Don't begin the new day with anger in your heart still. Take care of it. Do something about it. Deal with it. Confess it. Admit it. Talk about it. Do something with that so that the next day you wake up, you're not mad still. James 1.19 tells us, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You're going to get things right? You're going to fix it up? How? Getting your gun out? How? Getting your hatchet out? How? Beating someone out? Beating someone over the head with your words or with your hand or with your fist or something? How are you going to do this? Run somebody over? That doesn't do anything except get you in trouble. But you couldn't help that. And the police officer pulls you over. You're going to say, officer, you don't understand what happened to me. My wife, my kids, my... All he cares about is uh, registration, license, insurance, He's going to say, you were speeding through this, da, 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 you know, da, da. that's all he's going to see. Your motive for being mad doesn't make any difference to him. It's what you have done that he's concerned about. So reacting in anger doesn't bring about what God wants to do as far as resolving a problem. It just makes you think that you have a justification to do the anger part. And it doesn't do any good to make others mad too, just to provoke them to get mad. So uh, control the anger. 
They like control the anger. Got to somehow control the anger so that it doesn't linger into the next day. Now turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Here's a, here's a tough verse to practice as Christians. Romans 12, verse number 17. 12, 17. You find prisoners, they harbor hate, bitterness, resentment in their hearts. And the first chance they get, they're going to do something about it. To get even to the guy who put them in prison or uh, they got away with it. Was in the same group. And uh, they got caught, but the other guy went free. You got a lot of bad things going on in people's hearts. Verse number 17, 12, 17, Romans. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Verse 18, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peacefully with all men. Verse 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but I want to. Avenge not yourselves, but I need to. Avenge not yourselves. But I won't be a man unless I do it. Amen, not yourself, but rather, ah, there's a choice, isn't it? But rather, you're not doomed, locked in to take revenge. You're not doomed, to, locked in to uh, be the justice and be the law and all that. But rather, give place unto wrath. When it's written, then this is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Now, he says something very hard here. Therefore, therefore what? Therefore, because of verse number 19, because God is the one who takes vengeance, because of that fact and that truth, verse 20, here's what you do. If an enemy hunger, feed him, no way. If he thirsts, give him drink, not me. Let him, let him starve, let him go thirsty. For in so doing, thou should heap coals of fire on his head. Verse 21, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You know those verses are really difficult to, to practice, easy to read for someone else to do. It's hard for us to do. That person tell me, don't do what I want to do in revenge or vengeance or in anger. Don't do what I want to do. Uh, the, the humanistic saying is, those took down to their level. Don't be like them, how they mistreat you. Don't treat them like they treated you. Don't do that. Well, he is simply saying here, the way to overcome the anger is to rem remember that it is God who knows and sees everything. It is God who will get the exact vengeance upon the situation. And though you might be defrauded and suffer a little while, he says, uh, let God take care of it. The wrath of man does not bring about what God wants to bring about. But when you let God bring about what he should bring about, he'll bring about what he should bring about. May not be now, maybe in heaven, before it's ever settled in, the, in, in God's court of heaven. Maybe then, maybe so. But at the same time, to control the anger, you have to understand, realize that it is God who is the one who will take care of the matter. But I know, I know, I want to take care of the matter. I want to take care of the matter. You want to take care of the matter. I know. Because we're human and, you know, we're, we're, we're like that. And it's not so bad as it is letting it make us do something that's wrong. That's when it becomes bad. And so uh, come over to Ephesians 4 now. Ephesians 4. Now, if he was on fire, I wouldn't even spit on him if he was on fire after what he did to me. <laughs> That's pretty bad. I mean, um, the only time it's justified to rejoice when you beat someone in retaliation is in sports. You lost that team because of cheating. Next, next season come around, you beat them, you can gloat. That's okay. That's, that's the way to do it. All right? 
no harm, no foul. But not on a personal level like this. Uh, Ephesians 4.31. We looked at verse 26. Be angry, sin not, let not the sun get upon your wrath. You need to confess the devil. Now come down to verse number 31. Let all bitterness and wrath, bitterness and wrath and anger kind of all go together, don't they? You, you can't be really angry unless you're bitter. You can't be bitter unless you resent some things. You, you can't be ready to pull out the hatchet unless something's going on on the inside and it's boiling about to boil over. Um, every once in a while, my wife and I will make uh, oatmeal for breakfast, maybe two or three times a week. And she puts it on for two minutes. She puts a little bit, she measures everything. That's her, she measures things. The oatmeal, and then she measures the water. And then she puts it on for two minutes to cook it, the thing. But sometimes I put too much in it. I don't listen to her. And the thing spins around in the microwave and it boils over the top. And you watch it, if it's the right measure, it boils over, but it doesn't boil over. It boils up, but it doesn't boil. Mine boils up and it boils over. It's a big mess. Sometimes things in us just boil over. It's a big mess because we just don't take care of things. So in verse number 31, he says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger take care of the bitterness, take care of the, the, the resentment, take all these things that leads to the anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. So there is a real strong possibility and a doability to not letting your anger control you. That is a doable thing. I don't believe the New Testament has ever said anything about God says do this, but he knows you can't do it. If God says do this as a command, it must mean you have the ability to do that with God's help. So put these things away from you. Someone said anger puts every offense on an endless playback loop. Love turns off the switch, which makes a lot of sense. Endlessly play back the same old thing, rehashing in your mind the same old thing as to why you should blow up and get rid of somebody or get rid of something. Your temper improves the more you don't use it, somebody says. That's a good one there. Your temper improves the more you don't use it. Oh, but that's just what I am. That's just the way I am. I am Irish. That's a pathetic excuse. You're Irish. Um, practical things you can do to let off some of the steam. Every coach bus that drives on Waikiki, you ever notice that when they come to a stop, there's a pssss sound. Michael knows about this. He used to drive those big buses. Isn't it kind of funny? Little Michael drove those big buses that hold 75 people. Those big buses, they have these air brakes. They are the small hoses. High pressure. You have to release the pressure, and that's what you hear. Pssss. And then the bus comes down. It comes down. It settles down. The pressure has been relieved. They must release that high pressure in those, in those tubes, otherwise big trouble. And it pops up again. And then when they stop, pshhh, pressure is leaked. There's gotta be some way for you to release the anger in you. Pshhh, gotta be something to release your pressure. I know what it is. I do some drugs, get some cannabis. Oh, maybe so, I don't know. I'm not gonna tell you the way about that, but I don't know people do the drug because it gives, or smoking, or do vaping nowadays. Ugh, brother. You see these cars go by, smoke coming out like it's a fire. A barn fire. Oh, that car. This guy's here. I mean, it's so cool, I guess. You know, I don't think it's cool. I mean, it's still bad for you. But there's got to be something to release the pressure of the anger. Don't you think? 
There's got to be something to relieve, relieve you of that. Well, here's what you can do, ladies. If you ever get mad, ladies do get mad, I know. Some of you sweet-looking ladies, I know you get angry at things. Here's what you can do, ladies. Uh, let's see here. Scrub the kitchen floor. <laughs> On your hands and knees with a brush, scrub the floor. Anger, frustration, whatever is bothering you will disappear. And you'll have a clean kitchen. <laughs> or wash the dishes. Or wash your husband's car, even. Yay. Or clean his bikes. Or clean his surfboard. Or clean his... Uh, do something. Get it up. Let the pressure out. That's a practical thing you can do. Renewing your mind. Proverbs 22, verse number 24 says, Now here's something I want to tell you about. May not be connected, but maybe it does connect to the anger staying in you. Proverbs 22, 24 says, Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go, lest thou learn his ways, verse 25 tells us, and get a snare to thy soul. What's that all about? Not making friendship with an angry man? Well, here's how this plays out. When you're mad, who do you, who do you talk to when you're mad? Who do you hang around People who listen to you, people who will be sympathetic to you, people who will say, oh, really? No kidding. No, he did that to you? Oh, man, I can't believe he did that to you. Your friend will always sympathize with you. So you also go to your friend, and your friend just kind of listens, and, and oh, 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 poor thing, oh. I wish Carlton was here, because Carlton does this fake all things so well. He's such a good faker, Carlton. Oh, oh, and uh, you get almost emboldened to be more angry. The friend who is always agreeing with you does not stop you from being angry. You know, it's rare for a friend to say, wait, oh, stop, stop. You're mad about what? Well, wait a minute, wait. What did she say? What did, what did she do? What, did, what, what? You're mad about that? You're mad, you couldn't sleep because of, of what? Of that? Are you? Wait a minute, stop. Let's think about this. You're upset because he said that. That's it. And if you do like this, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have gotten mad. It wasn't worth getting mad over. If you say that to your friend, your friends don't say to you, well, some friend you are. Some friend you are. Well, I came to you for comfort. Look at you. you, you you're, you're, you're lecturing me. Well, you know, a friend loveth at all times, right? And so you tell the truth. Sometimes that's what the friend needs to hear. The truth. Stop. Stop. But no, you, you make friends with an angry person. This person is always angry too. And I gave a ride to four mothers from Eva to Waikiki last week. They were going out in the town. They were going on a girls' night out on a Thursday night. Four adult women. They all have kids from different backgrounds, different states. And they're going to have a good time. They're going to go to hear some comedian in Waikiki or something like that. They're going to go drinking and have a good time and blah, 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 blah. And I have to listen to all this garbage, you know. And uh, I'm trying to, and, and what about you? And where are you from? Okay, and uh, yeah, you married? I said, yeah, been married 45 years. <gasps> 45 years, oh boy. <laughs> I got 12 grandkids. <gasps> 12 grandkids, oh man, oh, this is unusual. This is like a, a circus, sideshow circus. <laughs> and they're all, they're all going, you know, like that, like this is so strange. And so they're, they're gathering about different things. And I'm listening to the conversation. I'm picking up about different things. You know what I found out about these, these kind of women? <clears throat> they like 
when someone listens to them and agrees with them. They like it. They are friends because there's no disagreement. What are you going to order? Oh, I'm going to order this. Oh, that sounds great. I'm going to get that too. What are you going to order? I'm going to get this. Well, I never heard one contradiction like, oh, that doesn't sound good to me. Everything, oh, that sounds great. The word great was thrown around so many times in 50 minutes. I, it went crazy. Great, 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 great. Nothing is wrong. No, no contradiction. And so that is to say to you today that when you make friends with an angry person, that angry person who's already angry himself will feed off, you're going to feed off from each other. And nothing's going to get better if you're going to get more angry. Yeah. What are you going to do about that? I don't know. What would you do? Well, if I were you, if I were you, I would, yeah. And then, you know, so to, to kind of knock down, to kind of shave off, to kind of lessen the edge of, of anger, you're going to have to not hang on people that are angry themselves. You're going to feed off of them. They're going to feed off of you. It's just going to be one big, one big happy, happy pity party. And pretty soon you're both going to hate. You got a case now against that person. You now have a case to hang that person. You now are justified to do something drastic and bad, and you're going to go into town and gun that guy down. Figuratively, I hope. Uh, anger is never sudden. It's one of a long prior irritation. Ah, so, ah, so, ah, so. Anger is never sudden. It doesn't just happen suddenly. It's one of a long prior irritation that has ulcerated the spirit and built up an accumulation of force. This must be a politician writing these wordy words. Accumulation of force that results in an explosion. Uh-huh. It follows that a fine outburst of rage is by no means a sign of a frank, direct nature. Okay. It goes on inside and comes out eventually. Bad news for you today, or good news, depends. Psalm 37, 8 says, Rest in the Lord, wait patiently for Him, Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. This is Psalm 37, now verse number 89. You might want to make a note of that one. Cease from anger. Aha! Uh -huh. Cease from anger. Stop! You ever heard someone tell you stop? You know, people don't want to say stop. People don't want to say no. These two words are hardly heard. Stop it. That's two words there. Or no. People always say, eh, well, uh, they, they don't want to say. But stop and no are good words to use every once in a while when necessary. And the Bible says, cease from anger, forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. We saw why. For evildoers shall be cut off. Now he gives a reason why. Not to fret because of evildoers. Not to seek revenge. Not to be angry at them. Not to take action at them. For evildoers shall be cut off. The exception would be when it comes to politicians. Because we have in America the privilege to vote. Even though we might think they're both the same. Uh, the two parties are the same. And in all the ways they are. But not everybody's the same. So we have that course to take when it comes to responsibilities. But in many cases, we have no say-so in rectifying any injustice. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth for a yet little while, and the wicked shall not be. Uh-huh. That means there's term limits. 
Create a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. The way to, again, curtail or reduce the anger, or let go of the pressure, is do something you can do for yourself frankly. And the second thing is to understand again that God knows what's going on, and God will take care of the problem and the monkey business. And so we're angry because wickedness goes on. It's not stopped. It continues going on unimpeded. And we say, well, this is not getting any better. And it's not. But we have to remember and have some consolation to know that God is the one that's going to stop it when he's ready to stop it. Is it possible for God to allow something to go on because we deserve it? We often think, if I'm going to pray about something, God's going to give me what I ask for. Relief, relief, relief. Like it's plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Uh, relief. Well, relief does not always come so quickly like we want it to sometimes because God gives us something that we deserve as an individual, as a nation. And so He's not going to ask the prayers to give relief when we have brought it upon ourselves. I hope you understand that part. We get mad because we can't change something. And because it's not changed, we still get mad, get madder and madder and madder. Sometimes such an injustice personally makes you just want to kill somebody else. I'll end with this one about anger today. Anger is not always wrong because the Lord got angry, God is angry with wicked every day. Anger is not wrong because if it causes you to do something right, that's a good thing. It pushes you, it's hard motivation. Anger is wrong because we get out of control, we want to hurt somebody else and get revenge and take care of and put bring the law, make the law where our law to ourselves going to get revenge. So there's a real bad thing about anger and being out of control. Now, there's a man named Reuben Hurricane Carter. I know you never heard of him. I didn't hear about him until recently. He was a former uh, boxer, wrongly accused, wrongly sentenced to 25 years in jail in prison for three murders that he did not do. But trial by his peers found out that he was uh, guilty. And he claimed all the time, as many people do, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. You never can tell nowadays if they're telling the truth or not. Because it's so convincing they're acting. I didn't do it, I didn't do it. No, I was just there. And sometimes it's true, sometimes you're just lying through your teeth. You know, people are good liars nowadays. Do you realize that? People can lie to you with a smile, and they mean just the opposite. You have to be real careful with all these about things. People lie all the time. And so you never can tell. And so his words of innocence went unheeded, went to prison for 20 plus years. Well, through some advocacy program, uh, batting for people who claim to be innocent, um, got attention to this man, uh, Carter, and he was actually found to be through DNA innocence of the murder charges. Well, Later on, of course, people interview him, get some talk shows. A question, a question about being angry and bitter. He actually wrote a book, and he said in the book, uh, to the question, are you bitter? Are you angry? In other words, you want to get back at people who, you know, found you guilty? That was the, the basis of the question. Want to get revenge? He said this, quote, the most productive years of my life between ages 29 to 50, has been stolen from me. I was deprived of seeing my kids grow up. That'd be a hard thing for a father. That'd be a hard thing. If there's one thing that makes me bitter, it's something like that. See these babies born, play with them, and all of a sudden, 
you are accused of murder and you're innocent, you know that you didn't do it, but you are sentenced to prison and you are left to visits by your family. You left the visits behind glass. Put your hand there to the glass, but you can't hold your son or your daughter. You can't hug them. You gotta just do that, just like that. That's all you got because you've been found guilty of a crime you didn't do. So he says, the most productive years of my life between ages 29 and 50 have been stolen. I was deprived of seeing my kids grow up. Wouldn't you think I'd have the right to be bitter? As he gave an answer to the question. And so he says, wouldn't anyone under these circumstances have a right to be bitter? And of course be angry. He says, quote, I've learned that bitterness only consumes the vessel that contains it. And for me, to permit bitterness to control or infect my life would be to allow those who imprison me to take even more than the 22 years they've already taken from me. And now that would make me an accomplice to the crime. Now that, that is kind of, you know, but at least I can appreciate the fact that he says, I see that if I want to get revenge, it's not going to take me anywhere. I will lose more of my life than I already lost. He said, that doesn't do me any good. So that's what he's saying. And I'm saying to you from the Bible, it's not worth it. It's not worth the effort to have these things in our hearts. It's not worth it. And so we have the Christian perspective. We have the biblical perspective. He just has a, perhaps a humanistic way of looking at things with a lot of common sense, for sure. Good for him. Good for him. But it does say in Ephesians 4, 31, let all bitterness and wrath be taken away from you. And that's a doable thing. And we Christians should not let these things grow in our hearts. Every once in a while, every once in a while, uh, we drive, wherever we drive, around county especially, I tell the grandkids, the two older boys especially, that driver needs to be pressure washed, this needs to be pressure washed, this needs to be pressure washed. We go by and say, oh, these black stuff here, we can do that. We can do that. And so it's, you know, for money making for the kids and learning to earn money and value all of that. We can do that. We counted one day how many driveways need to be pressure washed in Conway. Just around our little circle. And leading up to our circle, literally from the road. Looking around, all this nice white, used to be white concrete, it's all black and gray with stuff because of the, 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 the moisture and the, the stuff that grows in the ground because it's not, you know. Oh, and we're thinking, okay, over 30, 40, 50, there's a bunch of them. And so somebody says, well, you guys ought to make a little flag and go around and promote yourselves and do some pressure washing and whatever like that. Well, they should do that. They should do that. You need to pressure wash away the stuff in your heart that's accumulating. You don't want it to accumulate. Blow it away. Blow it away. There's chemicals you can use. There's just pressure water you can use. Whatever is effective, blow it away. Get rid of it. That stuff will do great harm physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And uh, I never want to get a phone call from someone who knows you, family member, and say, Pastor, pray for my husband, or pray for my daughter, pray for my wife, what happened? He, she got arrested, why? Because she got mad, she struck this guy this guy's car because he honked at her. So she got out, she got, she got a hammer, she smashed him, and now she's in jail. Never want to get the kind of call like that, or worse than that, bodily injury kind of call. Never want to get those kind of phone calls. But potentially, potentially it can help the people 
if they keep things growing in their heart. Let it go, man, let it go. This week's bulletin has something about grudges. The big picture of grudges, the guy kind of big load, about carrying grudges, it's too heavy to carry, drop it. Drop it, drop it, it's not worth it. Things that happened last week, a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, drop it, drop it. It's too much to carry. It'll eat you up, it'll cause you to go into town and just find that guy and gun him down. I'm a poet. Or a copycat. All right? Anybody mad? <laughs> yes. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the Word of God, and we thank you for the, <clears throat> the practical things that we need to be reminded about. And we know that nothing is perfect or ideal, and we're going to always react to things in a, in a fleshy way. It's not a real problem unless we let it get to us. And so help us to not let the pressure build up. Help us, Lord, to just let it go. And with your help and strength, we can. And uh, maybe treat our families and friends and others in a way that is not, um, is not, we're looking for a reason to hurt them in some way with our words, perhaps, or other ways. Uh, we don't need to be thinking like that. We need to just let it go. And so I pray to help us to be a Christian in our walk. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.